Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt, herbalist, teacher, and best-selling author. I created this herbal podcast to share trusted herbal knowledge so that you can get the best results when using herbs for your health. I'm passionate about helping people discover the world of herbalism and natural health, and I'm excited to be your new guide. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling empowered, knowledgeable, and inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Okay, let's dive in. I'm very excited to share this episode with you. Today's guest shares a lot of wisdom, heritage, and a deep, obvious love for plants. Nina Lavrin is an ethnobotanist, urban forager, permaculture designer, artist, and folk herbalist. She is the owner of Lovren Collections, an experience dedicated to education and reconnection to nature through everyday wild perennial foods with an emphasis in the Midwest, Eastern Europe, and Southern Africa. Her brand, Everyday Forage, provides wild perennial foods to Chicagoans and Michiganders through seasonal subscription boxes. Nina completed her master's degree in ethnobotany from the University of Kent in the UK. Her dissertation focus was on ecological knowledge retention of culturally salient food plants within Ukrainian immigrant communities in the U.S. Nina is a Fulbright alumna to Namibia and serves as a Fulbright alumni ambassador. She has worked alongside numerous farms and permaculture sites, including Ilolo Permaculture Initiative and Damaraland Farming Cooperative cultivating their waste streams to share and create non-toxic, research-driven, site-specific artwork. She started her foraging journey learning from indigenous sand community in Namibia and Botswana in 2016. Nina is a proud certified tree keeper with Open Lands number 1248, a certified permaculture designer, and just a general foodie at heart. Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, Nina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And remind me where you're calling in from today. (sighs) So I'm actually calling in right now from Madeira, uh, Madeira Island in in Portugal. And this year, despite um, the pandemic and a lot of of very intense emotions and and occurrences (laughs) in in the life, (laughs) I I found myself traveling more than I have uh, in the last few years. And so um, I was actually doing some ancestral work in in Europe, so in Ukraine and then in uh, Germany. And from there, I I headed to Madeira and I'll be back in the United States in a couple of days. So, and so sunburn here. (laughs) The sun is quite intense here, but I'm calling in from Portugal right now, trying to work on my Portuguese. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, you mentioned that the Atlantic Ocean was just out the way. So lovely. Well, I'm really excited to hear more from you about your story and how you got into your whole plant path and journey. Uh, You have so many interesting projects and interests in your background. So I want to hear more how that how that all happened for you. It's such a great question. You know, I think it's a very long and winding road that in my mind, I keep thinking it should be very direct and very like simple of like, this was it. But um, I think like a lot of folks um, growing up, you know, being close to, to trees and to plants and to the water, you know, it's just, it's been a place of comfort. It's been a place where I just always felt like I can, I can be myself and show up and, mm-hmm. um, 
as I grew older, you know, I, I think I had certain expectations um, culturally and, and on myself as well that, that kind of took me away from the land and definitely brought me to cities um, and yeah, living a very like, convenient, in air quotes, lifestyle of, of um, you know, grew up purchasing food and um, from the grocery stores, but I always had a curiosity and always just felt really good um, being near the forest. And I remember embarrassingly in high school, even those like tests where you had to fill out like everything you like and they kind of like guess or like place you based on your personality, what, <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what um, suited for you. And I remember I got like a for, forestry of forest forester, and um, no one else got that. And I felt like, oh, like I should be a doctor, I should be a lawyer. And I grew up in this very small um, Ukrainian community, and and um, in in the diaspora, so within uh, Michigan uh, is where I'm originally from. And yeah, I just I, I kept thinking, no, no, I'm I'm gonna be something else, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, through illness uh, in, in my early 20s, I, I actually had to slow down and and uh, reassess how I was living my life. Um, I have a background in, in visual art. And, and so after years of biology and, and uh, really enjoying, um, you know, I guess plants and animals, but but also realizing this in university, this wasn't really where um, I was fitting in. I, I started pursuing an art career um, in painting and, and I focused on oil painting. I love printmaking. I loved it all, um, the process of it. Uh, but it also, um, my body couldn't couldn't take the fumes and the different materials mm-hmm. I was using. And so, in my early twenties, I got very ill, and a lot of specialists um, in the U.S. coming from a medical family as well. I got all the amazing hookups, you know. But but a lot of the specialists didn't really know what was going on with me. It was everything from carpal tunnel to Raynaud's to rheumatoid arthritis, and there was a mm. whole cocktail of medications that folks offered me and and I just in my gut I I just I knew that that wasn't the path I wanted to take and and while it was difficult to go against um you know both both what my family thought was best for me as well as professionals um I took a step back and and just started assessing like how I was living and this very fast-paced life um I, I lived in Chicago then for about 12 years and um it was from that experience that I started changing things around and uh, I was very grateful and, and lucky to, to have done art restoration in, in Italy. And that was kind of like the first inkling of looking at pigments and looking at different like tempera, um, like historically how painters used um, the earth and, and plants within these work and, and really like uncovering these like very old paintings and like building them back up, I was able to see, um, you know, the fibers within canvas and and the different pigmentation. And and through there, I started working more um, with with site specific plants. So from the Midwest. Um, And then I was very grateful to receive a a Fulbright grant within the arts. uh, And that allowed me to live in Namibia for about a year. And by in chance encounter, I, I met with the Kwe, uh, the Kwe San. Um, and so these are Namibia's like quote unquote, like hunter gatherer uh, communities um, that still have this intimacy with the land. And it was through um, meeting them that I, I really didn't know at the time how much this interaction would just change my life completely. Um, 
and when I came back to the to the U.S. to Chicago, it was again this like disconnect and this sadness um, that started creeping in, and it again forced me to to walk to walk outside with our beautiful doggy, and she was taking me for walks <laughs> more so than me taking her, and and it was <laughs> reassessing and and looking um, at plants and and really just taking the time to connect and. Um, through that, it was just a deep dive in, in really focusing in on, on Midwestern plants and plant relationships and connection and, um, you know, having extreme bouts of anxiety, um, being especially back in the United States more so than anywhere else, um, really, uh, you know, trying out different plants and different methods to um, help assist me uh, to, to live within these spaces and, and in turn wanting to share and create spaces so other people can can also connect. And so it's been a very long, windy road. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that, that in a nutshell is kind of how I came through inspiration, through sharing of others, through illness, and, and through having like the courage to just slow down and, and really listen to what my body was saying and, and what my heart was saying, which, which oftentimes, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't always do. So, mm. um, that's a, a beautiful story of how the plants caught your attention. I see so much similarities in that I was also sick in my early twenties and I also went to doctors and was not really, they kind of didn't have a lot of solutions for me, but even the ones they had, I was like, yeah, that's not really me. So, um, yeah. it, it's interesting that then, you know, I just feel grateful and I hear it in your words too, about finding the plants and finding another path in another way. Yeah, at a time when we really need it too. Yeah, definitely. And to this day too, I mean, through through transforming my relationship to food, um, I mean, plants in that essence as well, um, as well as like really detoxing my my home environment. Like my hands now, I mean, they're they're okay, they're fine. Um, that's where I felt the most pain was through my hands up into my elbows. I couldn't move them; they were incredibly cold, and um, you know, I'd wake up sobbing because like I I couldn't even hold a mm -hmm. cup of morning and so everything from paraffin wax to try to stimulate um the circulation and and it was just toxic overload at the end so yeah. yeah well thanks for sharing your story and I'm really excited to talk about walnuts with you today I have to say it's not a plant I have a lot of familiarity with beyond you know the yummy nuts so I'm excited <laughs> to hear what you share with us yes yes so walnut uh <laughs> Walnut has a very personal, um, I guess, sharing and story in my life. And, and you know, when, when thinking about a plant to be able to share um, with you all today, I, I immediately was drawn to a tree and tree medicine. And so I first thought maybe Hawthorne and, and Lynn, I mean, Tilly Americana is just like my favorite too. Like I, I love all these, these uh, tree medicines, you know, and you know, living in the urban space, uh, oftentimes like trees are some of the most accessible, um, you know, plant connections that we can have because of like the filtration system itself. Um, and so I think just naturally I was just more drawn drawn to trees. Um, and I initially thought Hawthorne, but then I was in Ukraine. Um, and so this, this whole year has been this ancestral lineage um, reconnection for me. And, and like I mentioned, I, I uh, grew up in a small Ukrainian community. Um, three of my grandparents immigrated from Western Ukraine right after World War um, II, and they all have their own 
um, you know, really intense stories of how they, they came to the US and, and being displaced people and, and refugees. And, and then my one grandma was from Germany. And um, my grandpa, so Walnut's really affiliated with my grandpa. And when I think about plan connection, I think that he's been like my huge inspiration at the time that I didn't really realize growing up that he was my main kind of focal point that had this relationship with plants. And so when we talk about the stories, like it's the hindsight where it's like, oh, my connection with my grandpa and his connection to walnut and his connection to the forest has been coming up more and more in my life, which has really been uh, surprising. But so anyway, so, so he, he was from um, a village called Banya Bereznia in the Karpate, in the mountains of Ukraine. And when I was making my way, I, I was in a main city called Ivano-Frankivsk. And I just remember like showing up in Ukraine and into this, this city area. And there was just all these walnuts everywhere. And I had, it was that moment <laughs> that it all made sense to me, all of the stories. So, so my grandpa immigrated, um, you know, he would go back and forth um, when, when finances allowed him to, to be able to go back to his family and help support them in, in Ukraine. And um, I remember growing up and he always had this big bowl of walnuts, like right there, like right when you walked in um, on the side, like on a dresser, there was this big bowl of walnuts. And he had all these walnut trees. And I remember growing up, like, being told that like, you know, they're from Ukraine. And he actually brought these, these nuts over. Um, and while I was in Ukraine, I realized, mm -hmm. oh, because they're everywhere here. And we realize about like the cultural um, importance of the foods that we eat and the access to them. And this reminders of home and even through immigration, how um, these culturally salient plants like come and move through us and, and as we move throughout the world and we move throughout um, these different spaces. Um, I know that there there is some definite uh, controversy around like invasive species as well and and, and native species and and bringing plants over and whatnot. But um, you know, I I do think that there is this very interesting notion that plants grow with us and and they transform. And even as our like climates are changing, you know, like the benefits of having this variety and and um, you know, really having this connection to plants through through conservation and through remembrance, um, oftentimes through food. And so as my healing journey, a main portion of it was through food. Um, it was really interesting that my grandpa, his main like, you know, plant species that he brought over was this walnut. And um, in turn, uh, he had this very interesting relationship to squirrels. <laughs> the battle, you know, so it, it again becomes this entire like interconnection um, outside of just like our human connection, but through plants and through animals and like the uh, the very genuine and, and ingenuine methods that we're able to live with one another and and also like some of this like competing aspects <laughs> with the walnuts. And so um, in the Ukrainian tradition um, for celebratory foods in uh, Christmas time, as well as for weddings, there's this walnut tort um, that we would we would always have. And so if you can imagine this very thin layer, it takes like nine, 10 hours mm -hmm. to make very like laborious, beautiful um, creation of love, basically for um, celebratory foods, really for, for Christmas mm -hmm. and for weddings. And it's this layered walnut 
um, with this almost like cream um, filling in the middle. So, so there's like these very thin layers and cream filling and then this apricot jam in the middle and then it's like covered in this like dark chocolate ganache. So it's like very um, decadent and delicious and it comes only a few times a year. And we would have it yearly as a family. And um, oftentimes for me, the way that I, that I associate um, plants is through like my everyday living. And it, while it's very um, accessible and easy to, to look through a book through different like herbal actions and like, you know, you can know all these different plants, how they're incorporated yeah. into one's life is what's really um, interesting for me personally and how like plants show up in general in our lives. And so as we kind of talk a little bit more about like the, the fun medicinal properties of um, walnut itself, like I, I really enjoy echoing back into how this has affected my family and, and um, the people who, who are with these plants. And so um, so my grandpa, he had a tradition, he would always just have his bowl right. And he would, he could, he was so strong, he could crack these nuts with his hands. Like he was insane. Wow. Yes, it was so strong. And he had a nutcracker too, but he would just sit there and crack it and pick out the, the, the meat of the nut. And, um, you know, the meat of the nut itself is high in omega-3. It's really great for brain health, um, cardiovascular health, for, um, for health in general. And in Ukraine, um, it, and as like a general health, like people just kind of munch on nuts. Like I know in the States, I kind of like as I was growing up had a little bit more like trail nuts and stuff like this, which was interesting with like the M&Ms or something else. <laughs> but in Ukraine, it was just primarily these um, these nuts and, and walnut is one of them. And I started doing some more research into this because walnut is not um, outside of these like very like traditional um, ways of consuming it during holidays, it hasn't been this like ongoing relationship with um, walnut. And so I did read that like um, there's recommendations of, of having like at least three pieces of um, the actual like nut itself daily soaked in soaked in water and having it to be able to promote um, brain health as well as heart health. Um, I took a deeper dive into two of more of the, the research and there was actually some like studies in 2020 and, and one that just came out um, last year as well that um, was proven, but they draw complete parallels to um, walnut and in consuming walnut um, to preventing Alzheimer's and to um, preventing like, like uh, mild like cognitive um, deficiencies and stuff like this. And so something as simple that you know, we could take for granted as walnut of like, oh yeah, it's in that, like whatever, like, you know, maybe we have it sometimes like can, can be part of this, this medicine and this process. Um, and echoing back, so my grandpa, he's always eating these nuts, you know? And my grandma who came from Germany, didn't have um, the same relationship to walnut. Um, and, and my grandma, she ended up actually passing away from Alzheimer's and, and she had diabetes as well. And so there's been more studies, which I'm happy to, to send you to if people are interested in like the scientific data that, that link, um, you know, the, the benefits of consuming walnut to, um, you know, for diabetic health, for brain health and for heart health. And for me, it was always just kind of like blown away that this plant has been there all along and it's just that the practice of consuming you know that was so different because of two different um like cultural uh, backgrounds and um i don't know i just i 
I felt very like humble too. Again, there's been time and time again that plants have come into my life where I didn't know that perhaps like I needed their support, but most definitely they were there. And then and then the the more like soft I became and the more like intuitive and and you know like received a lot of their support, the healthier and healthier I became throughout this process. And so um, you know, it was just more reflective of of how ironic it was that like perhaps, you know, my grandma could have received some support um, if that was part of her cultural food way. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and and it's just the irony <laughs> in a lot of it. Um, but walnut in general, you know, um, the leaves, right? Like the smell of the leaves itself crushed is this like citrus kind of like smell and that could be infused in, in oil as well and be able to be incorporated into salves. Walnut I think has a little bit more of this like stronger potency. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, maybe like a chamomile or something, or, but chamomile is also strong, very, but very specific, you know? And so walnut is also very specific and it wouldn't be something that I would necessarily use every day. But then I also felt challenged by that too, of like, why not use walnut as medicine and actually using the food daily um, to be able to support like brain health and do I need to go into some sort of like exotic plant that's not necessarily growing um, bacopa or something like this where where I I have walnut right here so it's had me reflecting again as well of of how can I also use it Um, so walnut itself the the leaves um, are antifungal antibacterial antimicrobial it's great for athlete's foot so you can imagine right just like infusing it into some oil and some salve and being able to you know, if, if you're working outside quite a lot and a little bit like in hiking boots and sweaty like I am most of the time, <laughs> um, you know, if there's there's any kind of fungal growth, it can be used for that. Um, another very ironic, very interesting um, synchronicity with walnut that has happened in my family as well has been um, while I was in Ukraine, um, I have a little niece, my, my, da- uh, my daughter, my sister has a daughter who's two years old and oh, she's just, she's, She's lovely. She's wonderful. And she loves animals. And she loves going to the petting zoo. And um, she loves the cows. And she calls them the moo-moos. And um, she's so excited. Um, And I found out, like, a little bit through the ground through my other sister, that that, um, Eliana had had a ringworm. And it was from this um, interaction with with these animals. And um, you know, I spoke with my sister and, and they were giving her um, a specific medication that I still would like to look into to see if there is some some parallel between um, walnut and this particular um, medication. Um, but th- this medication was giving her just really like gastrointestinal issues and just shoes. Um, she wasn't doing so well with it. And walnut came to mind again, and, and my family in Ukraine, um, I ended up finding um, distant family in Ukraine while I was there. They lent me um, some other medicinal books with Ukrainian remedies, and, and I was looking mm. through there as well. And walnut's very heavily used in Ukraine as, as um, a food medicine, but also as um, more within like, like a, a salve, an oil, a tincture. Um, and so... What I found was interesting was that walnut, um, the holes that could be steeped um, uh, into some sort of like liquid or into an oil, um, can actually be used topically for ringworm. And mm-hmm. I read it with my sister. It was already a little bit later in the process, so I can't report back to say if that worked or not. But it was also very interesting that, again, walnut has been popping up. Um, and, you know, 
a ringworm, I don't think it does not occur all the time, especially I think for, for folks living in, in urban US. Um, but I found it very interesting that that walnut again popped up and, and could be used in, in the, that capacity as well. Um, mm. yeah. I love so much of this, Nina, like the richness of the family connection and heritage and then the medicine that comes from it. And I love how you spoke about the simplicity of the medicine too, eating three nuts a day and um, yeah. and you know, using yeah. things topically and like so many plants, you know, while it has so many gifts. Um, and like you, I really love you said it so beautifully, not just the herbal actions, but um, you know, for you, the family history and, and the connection there as well. Yeah. And there's so many fun ways to use walnut as well. I mean, as from like a natural dye, whether it's a hair product or if it's through the art world as well. Um, you know, in the Midwest, it's also like used quite readily. Um, I mean, indigenous communities have used walnut for so many from fishing practices to, um, you know, it, it has the roots itself has like jugulin in it. So it's this protective um, space for it to be able to grow. And so really looking at these different types of, of growing practices and how is that incorporated into, um, you know, our lives as medicine as well. Um, but what I found interesting, so so also in, in the Midwest, like um, in Michigan, so my grandpa was also very like, very much wanting to be up in like Ross Common areas. There's this, this old growth um, pine forest, which I didn't really realize again, echoes a lot of the Kudvatha in Ukraine. And um, there's like ice cream. You can, there's this like walnut ice cream. That's just, not a, have you tried it before? Have you had it? I feel like, well, I've had walnuts in ice cream, obviously, yeah. but I don't know, like it's just made of walnuts. Yeah, it's this like churned walnut ice cream um, that like, you know, when I, I, this is the first time I actually revisited since I was a, a young child back to that area was last winter before leaving um, to finish my dissertation and finish my studies in the UK and then going um, to Ukraine and Germany. And it was it was cold out, so there wasn't any <laughs> any of the ice cream available, but I'm curious when I go back to be able to try it and there's just fun ways to be able to incorporate it, um, even as like someone who who cannot have dairy, especially in the U.S., um, you know, as like a thickener to different types of, of meals. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be as like straightforward as like here's the three three halves <laughs> in the morning, like your like your supplements, you know, and just pop them in. Mm -hmm. But you can if you want to. So it could be very simple. But there's there's really beautiful and decadent ways that you can incorporate it um, as a food. And um, and yeah, looking looking at plants as medicine, as food, um, I think is really really vital to to kind of shifting the perspective of of kind of this like one pill wonder kind of ordeal, and, and really having this like building practice with plants and and looking at our our health through food as well. Oh, that's a beautiful way to put that. And it seems like the perfect segue into your recipe, which I know is going to cause a lot of <laughs> excitement. And our the whole team here at Herbs with Rosalie has been discussing this recipe and how amazing it looks. So I am so excited to try it. I'm not really the cook in our house. So I printed off the recipe and gave it to my husband and said, anytime. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about your recipe you're sharing with all of us. Yes, it's, it's a gluten-free and um, vegan uh, walnut coffee kind of tort, take take on the Ukrainian tort. 
and when I when I kind of inserted the coffee aspect of it, I was finishing up my dissertation. So I think some of it is needing a little bit more of a stimulant. But the coffee can also be substituted um, with um, like an apricot um, preserves, which is really nice. Ooh. And also like a coconut whipped kind of cream and stuff like that on top. So it have a little bit more of the, the genuine taste of, of this like Ukrainian Christmas Christmas tort. This is cheesecake. And, and so um, this is how I've been able to, to consume a lot of different tastes from, from home, um, from, from my lineage as well, that have a lot of gluten and dairy um, that I can't have um, because of, of illness. And um, and yeah, it's just very simple to make. Um, I've been making kind of these like vegan uh, cheesecakes for some time now, and and what better way to incorporate uh, walnuts than into this like beautiful crust, <laughs> and also incorporate some other uh, nuts as well. It is higher in fat, but I think you know for a dessert, I think it's really um, something special and something really delicious that can that can help your brain as well. And um, I try making it for my family once a time, sometimes in the summertime more so than anything, because um, I like eating them a little bit colder, so almost like an ice cream. Um, but you can you can also have them during the holidays as well, and and it's just a fun way to consume uh, walnuts and and yeah. Well, I'm really excited to try it, and I appreciate that it's dairy free. I happen to love dairy, but my husband doesn't digest it well, and he loves cheesecake. So I just have a feeling this is going to be our new favorite recipe. Oh, good. <laughs> Yes, please let me know how you like it, because I, I really, I've been making different variants of, of these cheesecakes, especially like in in relation to like um, my like hormonal cycle as well. So oftentimes for like during my menstrual cycle, I'd make almost like a beet cheesecake like this. And I also really enjoyed that as well. And so it's, it's kind of a fun base that you're able to layer in um, different aspects and and Walnut is is one of my favorite bases um, on the bottom bottom layer, so I think it's it's a it's a great way to consume a little sweetness. <laughs> uh, it sounds absolutely wonderful. Well, for the listeners, as you probably know by now, I love to share recipes when we talk about these plants because recipes are really a wonderful way for you to get involved and create your own experience with herbs. Because you know, it's one thing to hear cool facts about walnuts or even hear Nina's beautiful family history about walnuts, but it's really an entirely other thing for you to form your own relationship with this plant through your own tasting, observing, and making fun treats. So what better way to do that than with Nina's recipe for raw vegan walnut and coffee cheesecake tort. Yum! This is a simpler twist on the traditional Ukrainian walnut tort, and it's gluten-free and dairy-free. You can download your recipe card at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. There you'll also find the show notes, including direct links to Nina's offerings and a transcript of this interview. Okay, Nina, I hope we still have listeners with us and they're not all off making that recipe. I bet some are, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to our continued conversation. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this because I, one thing I love about herbalism and plants is that we all bring our creative and unique ways of working with plants. And I know you have a lot of cool projects going out on and I'd love to hear, you know, what's, what's going on with you right now? How are, what ways are you working with plants right now? Yeah. So for um, the different projects and stuff, yeah, it's, it's constantly ongoing and, and international projects running all the time. But 
Um, for folks who are um, in the Midwest area, in particular in Chicago, um, as well as in, in Michigan, I'll be offering a couple of um, urban foraging courses so that there's a little bit more um, ease and identification. Um, but for a course that I'm really actually excited about it starts October um, 9th, is an online course that, that's open internationally um, that's based around plant connection with specific uh, emphasis on European um, ancestry and uh, lineage. And so I'm really excited because I know that there's a couple of folks already joining from, from Namibia and um, from Ukraine and from Germany as well. And so being able to have folks in the US kind of joining on this conversation um, will be really lovely. And I think it, it's um, special for me to be able to host a space, to be able to um, offer these types of connections globally, even though um, you know we're all kind of sitting in our computers and, and in this one space. Um, I think it's it, it's quite interesting to see this like interconnectedness. So we, we'll be covering five different um, plant families uh, and mm -hmm. six uh, plants in general and having a deep dive with, with each plant specifically. Um, and yeah, and there, there's going to be opportunity to be able to kind of unfold and uncover a lot of um, ancestral lineage, but also with like migration of the plant itself and, and how we can really like work with one another um, within the landscape that we are in, as well as with uh, local and indigenous communities. So I'm really looking forward to it and um, I hope that y'all can join us. Yeah, it sounds really wonderful, impactful, and deep and rich, which is just something I keep getting from you. Are, do you um, can you share the plants in the course, or is that a surprise? It's a little bit of a surprise. Um, we'll be posting a little bit more of the families, um, but I am I'm I'm curious though um, because a lot of it is. Um, it's, it's a base, but it's also kind of collaborative because a lot of folks, like if we're looking, for instance, at walnut, you know, folks in Namibia have a totally different relationship to walnut from their ancestry within Germany and, and within um, the Netherlands. And so while there will be a base, it's, it's a very like fluid course where it will be um, a little bit more collaborative depending on who is with us. So. Wow, that sounds really fascinating. I really, I like how you're saying, like, we're going to like get together with people from all over to discuss, you know, like what that means for um, all these different peoples in the world. So yeah, that sounds really wonderful. Thanks for sharing about that. Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, the last question I have is one that I'm asking everyone in season two. And the question is, what's something you've learned or experienced in your herbal journey that's surprised you? Hmm. Yeah, that's also a great question, Rosalie. <laughs> Honestly, um, I never really knew how impactful plants in general would, would be in my life. Um, I never knew how supported and fulfilled I would feel. Like I, I, I never anticipated that um, type of connection. And I think that you know, my, my grandparents, for instance, I think that they already knew that that was very normalized um, because they grew up with these types of connections and with this type of relationship. And um, some of it was definitely due to economics and, and access. Um, but I think for me, not growing up necessarily with the type of intimacy, um, I was just more so surprised with just how 
calm and how like how much of a spiritual journey this has been for me I, I never really intended it for for it to feel so trusting and so fluid and and um it was more very practical <laughs> like I'm sick I don't feel well what can I do but like slowly slowly it started growing and um, it's really just been surprising me how much, um, how many times in, in on this journey I've been I've been asked to kind of take that leap and to trust, and being so scared doing so, but always like whether that's moving or, or traveling during a pandemic, always feeling the sense of like calm and connection because there's a plant ally that I that I remember that I came across that I introduced myself to and that like there's this ongoing relationship whether I am in the Midwest or if I'm in Europe or if I'm in Namibia or Southern Africa you know there's there's just this constant support and it's it's probably like upon an essence of like like what like an unconditional like love and relationship would feel like that is mutually beneficial but it's also like just seeing these plants, you know, without knowing a certain language or or um, anyone there, you know, there's someone that I know. It just, they became like friends and I, I really, they became friends, you know, not even like friends. They became my friends and I didn't expect that. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> creepy and bougie as that maybe sound like I really just did not. I think that's been the most surprising um, like thing is, is really acknowledging that they are beings um, in and of themselves and, and that we are connected. So I think that's been my biggest and most um, impactful surprise. Mm. I'm so glad you shared that experience. I've been thinking about this so much, like that exact same thing. And from my perspective as a teacher and, you know, I have people come in and like their question is like, you know, what herb is good for my headache? And obviously, I mean, that's what motivates a lot of us. I, um, you know, like we have illnesses, we want to get better. So we want to know what herb is good for that thing and how that's like such a like tiny, tiny little percentage of what herbs really can enliven in us and what they can bring to our life. And, and you've like your whole, everything you've shared is really an example of that. You know, it's not just like, take walnuts for brain health. <laughs> it's this familial <laughs> connection. It's this wonderful food as medicine. It's heritage and and it's friendship too. I've randomly I thought about this just the other day too. I was thinking about I've been thinking a lot about language because I'm mm-hmm. I speak Spanish and I'm really studying French a lot right now and really working towards fluency. And I was thinking about how some people learn like they go on a trip and they'll learn like how to ask for the toilets or like ask for change or the bill or so, you know, like they're learning like tourist phrases yes. and how like there's that level, which is kind of like the same level of like what herb is good for my headache or something like that. But when you learn another language, it's this whole, like you become another person in order to learn that language. You learn so many things about culture, different phrases, it's like your brain rewires to understand other languages and, and the different ways of thinking and Anyway, that's kind of tangential, but I just, as you were speaking, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I've been thinking about. There's like the surface of this mechanical, what do herbs do? Or, you know, only toilet, <laughs> you know, where are the toilets? And then there's this, like, this, that's just like the iceberg, I guess. And there's this incredible richness and fulfillment and um, that exists underneath. And not everyone gets there, but it's so exciting to pe- see people like make that transition. 
Yes, no, most definitely. And thank you, thank you for going on, on a mini tangent with me because I've been tangenting this whole time. But but like you said too, with language, like it, right, like it is a totally, it's a different language with the plant itself. But like for me, like it's it's also why like in in Portugal I'm learning Portuguese as well, and and in Namibia, you know, pushing myself to not only learn German, um, you know, for Germany, but like it was a former colony of Germany. But um, to learn Ochi Herrero, Shilambo, Afrikaans, um, Kuedam, like you know, different languages, because the more that we we understand like the actual human language as well, it's a whole another realm and world to be able to connect with plants um, on on that different level and and understand the relationship between communities and the plants. And so, um, just as a side tangent, in in Ukraine you know, there was like three or four different words for blueberry and, and mm. looking at culturally significant plants, you know, and, and foodways. And it, like, that's a huge indicator that like everyone knew, like these, depending on wild or cultivated, you know, and, and also, you know, to go back to walnut, let me just, with even walnut itself, you know, in Ukraine, like, to, there's different words for how you make um, like vodka, right? So you have vodka the very like with Russia and and as well in Ukraine, but horilka is the walnut itself. It's it's in the hull is infused in the spirit, and so that gives it the taste and it gives it the medicinal properties and it makes it very specifically Ukrainian. And then there's yet another word that if you make it like a home brew, but it's very specific with walnut and. <laughs> And mm. it's, so it's very interesting that like, you know, all these different languages and words um, for a very specific plant can really give indication of like the process of connection of where it's mm. harvested, how it's harvested, the time of year. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it, that's, that's right now where kind of I'm at is kind of like in this nuanced, um, you know, being able to identify walnut, be able to have a relationship wherever I go with walnut, but then now it's like this very nuanced, very culturally specific um usages but but language around the plant as well and so um i think that's just fascinating i mean five different languages you inspire me <laughs> i hope i get there the i love that when you're talking about the names because i've heard this before it's like the more names you have for someone um the more relationship that involves you know i think like my husband yeah. like I rarely call him by his given name, but he has like 20 pet names, you know, and that's kind of- Or when they're in trouble or something, there's a specific yeah. name. <laughs> that, that can be his full name. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. You've shared so much beautiful wisdom about walnuts and, and heritage and even the plant-human relationship and how deep and fulfilling that can be. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Of course. Thank you so much. I really feel just honored and humbled to be here with you. So thank you. For the listeners, don't forget to head over to herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to get free access to Nina's raw vegan walnut and coffee cheesecake tort. Also available are the complete show notes, including the transcript. You can also visit Nina directly at loverincollections.com. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalist and more plant-centered folks like you. I'm so glad you're here as part of this herbal community. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you're a new listener, thanks for checking out the show 
And don't forget that you can find all the recipes, links, and show notes over at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and get updates when new episodes release and even submit your requests for future podcast episodes. The world needs more people who are connected to the earth and the healing gifts of plants. I'm so glad that you're here for this adventure. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Rising Appalachia for the use of their beautiful song, Resilience. Listen to more from Rising Appalachia at risingappalachia.com.